Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler, and today we have a deckhand on the FV Gladiator, Mark Skeving, with us today. Hey Mark, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, where were you born? I was born in Seattle, 1956. Grew up in Ballard. Um, you know, Loyal Heights, James Monroe, Ballard High School. Um, a lot of friends in the fishing industry. My family has no background in fishing. And my best friend uh, growing up, Don Ingbloom, uh, his brother, Larry, uh, about 10 years older, had the mystery made. Uh, 56-foot, beautiful Hanson boat. Um, and Don went, geez, I think he was... 10th grade his first summer and I went uh, the summer after I graduated the uh, the cook on there at the time a guy by the name of Larry Arwin he was killed in an avalanche over in Sun Valley um, skiing out of bounds on the backside with another friend good friend Paul Troco as a Yankee made right now uh, long story short he passed away I got his job and now I live in Sun Valley and I've skied where he uh, he bit the dust there in the avalanche back in 1975. So I start I started fishing in 1975, the summer on, on of the mystery made. on the mystery made seining in southeast Alaska. Yes, sir. And doing some salmon. Doing some salmon, and then uh, the next year uh, we started longlining uh, halibut uh, in the spring, and then would switch over to seining in the summertime. I I, I can't remember how long I stayed with Larry. Uh, Geez, 75 to probably 80, 81, and then I got a job crab fishing, and then a job long lining, you know, with the Deep Sea Fishermen's Union. Dave Olson um, took me out my first trip in November, and uh, yeah, kind of went from there, crab fished and long lined um, for about the next, I don't know, t 10, 15 years. What was the first crab boat you got on? Uh, the Rosie G, single pot brown crab, um, out semi Sapochnoi, Siguan Pass, uh, Amchitka, day or so, I believe, west of uh, Adak. So when you say single pot, what do you mean by single well, pot? Well, the, um, <clears throat> that fishery has evolved into a, uh, a long lining of pots. You know, we set them single, uh, one at a time. You know, when one load of pots, of Rosie G was only 98 feet, so we didn't have many pots. But set them out, let them soak, and then the tide would. You have to wait for the, wait for the slack water, because um, the bags would sink. I was out there for, God, I think three months, hmm. and the processor would come by. I can't even remember the name of it. Some. I think it was associated with East Point there in Dutch Harbor, but they'd come by every couple of weeks, <laughs> pick, up, pick up our crab, and we can get whatever groceries they could they could give us. And yeah, we were out there the whole get some fuel, of course, and then you know, we that was in the early eighties, eighty one, eighty two. Yep, yep. When uh, the ADAC military base was still going strong, and sure. um, we had a guy get sick, and they wouldn't even let us tie up in there. They really. Sent a Navy tug alongside, and we had to go into the bay and make a horseshoe and back out, and and he got off the boat and then into the hospital. Um, wouldn't even let you tie up. Wouldn't even let us tie up to the dock. No, no, I don't know. We heard all kinds of 
stories about what was going on there. But I think originally that was all just, you know, anti-submarine, and I'm sure they had radar out there for stuff any, they didn't want any any incoming incoming uh, you know Soviet Union stuff. I was listening to it. We were waiting for the bags to pop up. And I was listening to a baseball game early April. The season had just started. It was Yankees in Baltimore, Armed Services Radio Network. And uh, just kind of jogging on where the gear was supposed to be. Beautiful day, early April, like I said. And and uh, got into it. But like the eighth inning, ninth inning, the score was 2-2. Two to two. New York had a couple runners on. I mean, I don't remember the players specifically. And all of a sudden, I heard this you know like somebody messing with the radio dials right and uh the next thing i know was uh workers of the world uh you know this is radio moscow and comrade cherenyenko had just passed away this was right like right after brezhnev died they went through like three premieres in a very short period all old communists um Anyway, Comiarch and this dirge music, and I'm going, you know, <laughs> fuck, what, uh, the score was tied, it's, you know, we're getting down to the, the end of it, and, you, you know, I gotta listen to this? Right. Never did find out who won. You, you're still I should Google that. You're still into baseball today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Big Mariners fan, uh, sharing the disappointment with everybody else in the Northwest, and yeah. yeah, we got the World Series tonight, game one, Boston and the Dodgers. And uh, we have XM radio on the boat, and uh, whatever I can um, have the time for it, I'll go up and every single baseball game's on every day of the season. So um, my buddy Sean on the boat, he's a he's a Arizona Diamondbacks fan. So between the Diamondbacks, which is the National League West, and the Mariners, American League West, we kind of stay in tune to this half of the country. You right. know, screw the East Coast; they get all the press. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. So, um, go, starting up there in 81, 82, doing the single pot, that was still the time it was an open fishery. Yeah, it was open access. And you were just three months solid. We came into Dutch Harbor one time, um, and that was only because we got into a, uh, a storm. And in all the years I've been doing this, since 1975... Uh, that was the only time I was ever really afraid. Um, we Walk were we were in Seaguam Pass and trying to get to the Pacific side. Another boat who we partnered with, the West Fjord, <clears throat> they're no longer with us. They went down crossing the Gulf in, uh, I think, 1989, all hands lost. Knew every single one of those guys. Terrible. But anyway... Uh, he, this guy running at Phil, I can't remember his last name. He was on the Pacific side, and he was he was coaching us to get over there, get out of the weather. And um, we turned that boat around to head that direction. I think the wind was coming out of the west, northwest, blowing well over a hundred. Biggest seas I've ever seen. That boat was ninety-eight feet, and they were they were sixty, seventy feet. What was the make of her? Hmm? Marco. Mark, Marco. Okay, so she's built. But when we we had been jogging into it and we blew three, the, all three sodiums off the, the tripod, the rigging, and uh, 
uh, how we how we didn't bust a window out I'll, I'll never know to this day but uh, um, ripped the we had a wooden wooden box out out behind the uh, I think it was the port side door that got that disappeared um, so there was some serious green water coming over that boat and uh, I was up there with my buddy Donnie got me the job in the mystery made and a couple of times we hit the floor but looking down from the crest down into the down into the bottom of the trough um, it was the length it seemed to be the length of the boat and uh, 100 foot you know all 98 feet so yeah it was uh, it was quite the sight yeah quite the sight and and since then I've been in a few other good ones but no, nothing like that and I've heard I've heard Seaguam Pass can be one of the one of the worst with the tide, the wind. How how long did it take you to run to safety? Uh, you know, I don't remember. All night, I think. That's All a long night, time into the next morning, puckered. and you couldn't uh, you couldn't lay in your bunk. I mean, I we stayed up in the wheelhouse the whole time. Um, I think that's when I started smoking cigarettes. Do you have your uh, survival suit close no. by? Or? Uh Geez, I don't even know if we had survival suits in those days. <laughs> I don't remember. I certainly don't remember the any sort of drill or anything like yeah, that was really uh, like we do now. Um, I'm sure we had a life. We must have had a life raft. That's thirty. You know, but I, years I, ago. I don't know if we had an EPIRB. Um, can't remember. It was an adventure, though. By God, it sounds. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. So that was that was your scariest time at sea. Yeah, I would say that was my scare. Most of the time in, in bad weather, um, I dig it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but uh, really a sight to behold. Power of Mother Nature and, you, you know. Like you got this, no control. Like right? they say, you don't want to piss Mother Nature off. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I've been up been up on watch at times in, a, in bad weather and you know, just because nobody else will do it or doesn't want to, and have the music blasting, and it's a party. Know, little <laughs> Santana, little Almond Brothers, uh, Jimi Hendrix, of course. Um, and now, what was the name of that boat, the crab boat? Oh, the my first one I was on was uh, was the Rosie G. Okay. Um, How long were you on her? Boy. Off and on, I think, for over a period of maybe ten, I, 10 years. Why don't I know the boat? I mean, is it still... Well, it's a, no, it sank. Okay. It sank. The guy that, Peter Bottom, the guy that owned it, sold it to, uh, I think, Rick Mezich, who has the, uh, you know, Fierce Allegiance, mm -hmm. among other vessels, early dawn, I think. Um, and I remember seeing, uh, maybe the for the very earliest part of the, deadliest catch or something or was something on discovery channel perhaps um and the boat went down by the stern the lazarette flooded and i don't think it got bolted down back there and they had pots over it um they were on strike and then left um so at the know, dock a little bit of an oversight no 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 out out in the in the ocean it was a big uh about the size of your table here a big hatch, and, and uh, I, I I don't know the facts, but that's my guess. If it went down by the stern, something happened. Yeah. In the lazarette with a load of pots on it. Um, anyway, I, I think everybody got off, as I recall. But 
Yeah, more than I think more than one went down that way. Thirty-eight years in the water. You ever respond to a mayday call, or ever um, on a vessel that had a mayday call? No, heard heard quite a few. Uh, there was a storm. It was on the Sea Rover, and I can't remember if it was 1989 or maybe 1990, just after or before Thanksgiving, because back then you could do, um, it was open access, so you could do king crab, and then once this, that season was over, you had one week to get your gear, you know, finished with king crab, switched over to baradai. Uh, in those days, you had to re-rig the pots. You didn't have groups of groups of gear for each fishery. You know, Baradai, Opelio, and King Crab. So we had to actually put the tanner boards in and maybe add another shot of line because you fish a little deeper and whatnot. But shot of line is another hundred. Yeah, it was uh, what the 33 fathoms for a shot. <clears throat> I hope I got that right for all so, you all you crabbers listening. So going going deeper, <laughs> and then explain the tanner board. What's the tanner? Board? A tanner board is a uh, well during king crab you have no board. It's just an open tunnel, and I, I don't, can't remember what the measurements are via fishing game. Big enough to get that big son of a bitch in. Right, you know. exactly. And the tanner board, um, so the tanners move really quickly. It's amazing how fast they can go, and so these tanner boards have a have an opening what three and a quarter inches maybe. Um, between the framing on the mesh where the where the web comes together to the tunnel and then this board is uh, is kind of up and over it like uh, I don't know like a little shelf if you will and the crab can get in but they have a uh, I mean if you didn't have them on there they'd crawl they'd, they'd find their way out mm-hmm. um, so anyway rig, re-rig the gear add another shot of line if you will and uh, anyway, we were we were fishing tanners, and there was a there was a blow, and I think there was 12, 13 maydays. Boats blew windows out. Another another uh, huge storm. Um, some say 100 plus mile an hour winds, and you know I've heard 100 foot seas. I, I I don't think that was the case. 40, 50 feet maybe the most 40. It's still um, no joke. I mean, that's... all I know is the next the next day, and I think uh, two or three boats actually went down. You know, small boats, small uh, schooner style vessels um, sank. Nobody nobody died, um, but yeah, there was May days like crazy that that morning, mm-hmm. and and shit. By the afternoon, the rest of the crew was in bed, and I was up listening to the Allman Brothers and Santana riding it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember getting listening, really tuning into that Kodiak uh, broadcast of Peggy? Peggy, you bet. Yeah, you bet. You started forty years ago. You were. Getting oh yeah, that yeah, off. yeah. And I always wondered, you know how you when you hear someone's voice on the radio, you wonder what they look like. Sure. Okay, you have a you your mind's eye gives you uh, gives you uh, yeah. You, it, you've got them outfitted you know, in clothing same thing, too. Same, same same thing when you read a book or uh, or uh, or listen to a podcast. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, I always envisioned Peggy with a bouffant hairdo and sequined cat's eye glasses with a sweater over her shoulders with a little brooch, brooch <laughs> pinning it closed. You know, and, and of course her glasses had a nice chain and... Uh, you know, hello all mariners, hello all mariners. <laughs> <laughs> I 
six o'clock, uh, six o'clock, and and uh, in well, eight o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night, all the time. All, at forty-one twenty-five, you know, you listen to the weather. Everyone. Was, and then, and, and if if you know the captain wasn't there, you wrote it down. The the history there wasn't she doing that initially because of her husband? Yeah, I, uh, Oscar, mm-hmm. Oscar Dyson. But anyway, at the when she retired. Um, there was a picture, I don't know, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, do the whole people or enquire thing, you know, my, one of my old Norwegian captains, he'd buy all that stuff, you know, and then when he got done with it, we would throw it on the galley table, here you go, fellas, and uh, sure enough, this People magazine article, there was a picture of Peggy, bouffant hairdo, sequin trim cat-eye glasses, sweater pinned at the, at the throat, no. yes! Just, I just nailed I, it. I, I nailed it. So I when you described it. her just then, I was, th- you know, who I'm thinking of is uh, Minnie Pearl. I'm just, I'm picturing Minnie Pearl, but you know, obviously without the, without the hat, the, without the, and the price tags hanging <laughs> yeah, all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but that's the vision I've got when you're, you know. Oh yeah, Peggy, and she even, I can remember a few uh, broadcasts when she said, uh, "If you fellas don't have to be out there tonight working, please don't." Mm-hmm. You know, it's be you guys, really just, bad. For, just for a little history, guys, I suggest that you Google Peggy and the Kodiak Mariner broadcast because she's every old time Mariner knows exactly who she is, and many have credited her with saving lives and uh, and just making people aware of what was coming. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, late January in like 1989, when the West Fjord left Seattle a little bit late for the o- Opie season, and. Uh, they were somewhere south and east of the Trinities when, you know, it was tremendous northwest cold. Oh, my God. That's one of the, I listened to her that night, and she said, please, if you guys don't have to be out there, don't be out there. Well, they were out there, and they kept going, and they iced up and disappeared. Uh-huh. Knew every single guy on that boat. What year was that? I believe it was 1989. Were they running E-Perps back then? and were? You know, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. This, you know, nowadays... we, were, we were leaving Accutan, and uh, it unloaded, at, not at Trident, but at Deep Sea, who was up at the head of the bay. And uh, we unloaded, and we're headed up to the Pribilofs. Um the kid on the watch, I'm not going to name any names, he turned the radio down so he could listen to music, and we were, we had a following. Probably Santana. No, no Santana. I think he was a little bit, uh, yeah. probably Michael Jackson. No, 89, yeah. Uh, anyway, he turned the radio down. He shouldn't, he was told not to do that, and he did. And so we got on our way up to the Priblofs, and... Uh, the next morning, um, there was a, the pon-pon call from the Coast Guard and, you know, about what happened to the West Fjord. Well, our, our, was he our engineer? Anyway, he was on the boat and uh, um, his brother was on the boat. Well, by then, the weather had switched, okay, northwest to southeast. And we wound up spending six days on anchor um, at the Pribs, couldn't fish um, 50, 60 constantly. You know, the whole fleet was 
jockeying for a place to to, to tie up uh, yeah. <clears throat> west side and moved around to the north side and drag an anchor and you know he there was no way we could get him on the beach at st paul um i had to be tough it was, it was too bad well his wife had sent him just sent him up two half gallons of vodka in a little care package and yeah he was you know consumed the the vodka and and was just devastated about all, all those guys we, we like i said we knew everybody on that boat and his little brother was was a deckhand on there and did you know everyone was lost yeah 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 so uh, while you're while you're on that um set up a care package of vodka this, this was a different time in the fishery right it, this was Oh yeah, the, the the best thing that ever happened was uh, the zero tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't could never emphasize that enough. I mean, it. Uh, <laughs> but are, what, are you what, still looking back, going, "Oh, the good old days"? No, sometimes, no, or... no, 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 no. <laughs> a lot of it was a nightmare. You come into Dutch or wherever you were, and you had the guys that smoked weed, or worse, or drank. And it wasn't a lot of <clears throat> real adult supervision, and guys would take off in different directions, and then there's all this work to do, load bait, re- make repairs. Yeah, and you wind up going, you know, driving around trying to find where they're at, or who saw them the last, and then they ain't worth the shit. And they get back on board the boat, so you wind up doing somebody else's their work, job yeah. or part of their job. No, it was a real drag, a real drag. Clearly, you were one of the guys that kept your shit straight when you were working. Well, I wasn't an angel, but you, know, you, have a, you get hired, and, and all you got as a crew member is a is a reputation. You know, I like to, I like to think of myself as being considered sober and reliable. My phone always rang. I always had work. Mm-hmm. We were able to pick and choose, mm-hmm. so I'm grateful for that. Sure, sure. So you've probably seen some guys make some pretty bad decisions then. Yeah, a lot of them are dead. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, how many how many people do I know in this business that are no longer with us? I think the last time I sat down and thought about it and counted up was about like 19. Um, some drownings, of course. Boat sank. You know, the West Fjord was six guys. Um, and you knew every one of them. And a few, few other guys fell overboard. And there was a few other boats that went down that I knew. At least one guy on. Um, and then, God, I guess you could probably add on top of that alcohol and and drugs. You know, contributed to uh, a shortened uh, lifespan. Sure. Um, we still have guys today ODing on stuff, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it was. You know, every every time you got back to Seattle, you you know you heard the news about uh, you know somebody that bit it. A few of them up in Dutch Harbor. Sure. You know, locked themselves in a hotel room and with a with a sack and induce a heart attack. Yeah, I actually lost a, a good well, someone I consider a good friend up there uh, who locked himself in a hotel room. Um, uh, Paul Garcia, you probably remember yeah, Paul. Yeah, I remember Paul. Yeah, yeah uh, I heard about that. Just terrible. Sad know. deal. Yeah. Sad deal. So you've seen the safety change, too. Not only the restrictions on the zero tolerance, of course, but 
you've seen safety from 1975, uh, where you didn't even know if you did drills. Keeps looking back, or if you even had a... a, a, a no, I mean, hey, I knew how to swim, so... Um, <laughs> It doesn't help go in those down waters. And swim to the beach, not in the Bering Sea. <laughs> no, not in the Bering Sea. But uh, so you've seen it change significantly. Oh yeah, and and I've heard a lot of complaints about those changes, and the regulations. Of course, a lot of people, you know, fishermen, independent lot that we are, we don't like regulations. But uh, I I have to say the uh, the safety regulations and um, things that are mandatory and you know if you if it's not written down it never happened right so the the drills we do the log we keep um very important stuff especially for anybody you know just getting into the business i mean i'm not going to say when i first started fishing i was the sharpest knife in the drawer um learned a lot of uh i learned a lot of things and and things seems to seem to stick I uh, had a lot of good mentors and teachers. I was fortunate that way. Um, try and do the same thing to uh, young people coming on board now. I mean, we're not getting any younger. And we we, need, we, need, we yeah. need people to take over. And I can't, uh, you know, I can't emphasize enough common sense and, and, uh, and safety. Yeah. Well, it saved a lot of lives. I mean. Absolutely. The, the, the ones you hear about losing nowadays, I mean, Obviously, sometimes it's just so fast and there's nothing anyone anyone can do. But uh, most of the guys that are thrown overboard at this point are recovered because they've got on their, their individual EPIRB, they've got on their life, you know, their, their, uh, their jacket. And well, the, I, never, I never used a uh, uh, personal flotation device until it was mandatory when I, when I uh, was working with Trident, you know. Mm -hmm. Even crab fishing, shit, we never, you know, we had helmets and then and life jackets and never realized that that even a even a uh, just a vest a foam vest the insulative value it had in the middle of winter <laughs> a little warmer fishing opies i mean <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks for pointing that out right you know never well now they've got jackets that are just like a, a winter jacket you put on at home but they they're flotation devices sure sure i mean There's nothing wrong with that Nothing wrong with that at all. On and your on your boat specifically, one year, Ed French he wants to order a um, heated jackets, heated jackets. But the Far West leader had just ordered them the year before. You know, Greg Moncrief he had to have these heated jackets, Milwaukee heated jackets. Well, when we got them to the guys up there, the batteries just they beat the hell out of them. Well, right? you're not so. you're not working very hard if you need a heated jacket. <laughs> Well, they were the new thing, and at that no, time, you're supposed the Northwestern was testing you're them. So well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you're supposed to do the the layers, okay? Cold, extra layer. Gets warmer, you take that layer off. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. Sure. And, you, and like I say, you, you know, you keep moving. Crab fishing, you don't have to worry about it. T-shirt, cotton sweatshirt, cotton sweatpants. Um, and your grunnings, uh, and you're good to go. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, and you were lucky to get in and change your clothes between strings, or at least gloves. Right. Um, trawling is this is something I should have done about <laughs> forty years ago. <laughs> should have done <laughs> thirty-eight years ago, whenever it was. All right, I'm going to move you into a new question because um, you you crabbed for 
years. He started in 80, just stopped in 2005. 2012. 2012. We got a lot of years crabbing. Yep. I want to talk about the coldest you had ever been when you were on the deck of a crab boat. That's easy. Uh, 2012, the winter of my last season crab fishing at 56 years old. And I emailed our fleet manager with Trident at the time and said, Dude, get me out of this. I'm too old for this crap. And I had already established a relationship with Ed and the Gladiator. Been up to uh, Togiak a couple years in a row with him. Herring tendering, because we were done with our opies in February and whatnot. And by Wait, describe this cold to me. You just said it oh, was... Oh, well, so anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, to the winter of 2012, the whole fishing grounds were covered in ice. And... Uh, of course, that was about the time when people were talking about global warming and climate change and certainly did not see it at that time. Um, we, what should have taken us three weeks to catch our quota took three months. And the state actually extended the season for guys uh, who had a little more quota than we did. I believe until, well, they were, they were fishing crab when we were tendering, um, tendering herring. In May. May, okay. Yeah. I think it might have went to the, maybe went the, they extended the opie season until the end of May that year instead of the middle of April, the end of April. Um, no town soak. We, we did not get one single town soak that season. Had to pick, when, we, when we had a trip, we had to pick every pot out of the water, put it on the boat, Take it in. I think we had one trip in Accutan. Because you were worried about the ice running over it. Exactly. Um, one trip to Accutan and two into St. Paul. So we got in. All the crab pots had to come off the boat before we could deliver. And then when we were done, put all, put all of them back on. And then we waited until the ice receded. Did not blow out of the south, southeast. Maybe one or two days that whole time. Just miserable days. Bitterly cold. I mean, uh, uh, the scuppers would freeze up. Um, the it was a bad slime year as well. And so slime gets on the on the three quarter buoy line, and increases the weight of the two and a half three shots uh, by two or three times. It took two people to lift the shot a line into the pot so you could stack the gear. And then, to, and then it was so cold, it froze. all froze together. So you'd drag it out, Busted. and then two guys with the cartoon hammers, you know, beat it loose. And then you'd have to have help to lift the line. And, and you know, for those listening out here, oh, he's a puss. You know, I saw say, you know, kiss my ass. That stuff was <laughs> frozen, and it was heavy. And, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to throw my back out or or a shoulder or whatnot. So we we had uh, we worked together. We had two guys lift the shots up onto the pot to set the gear, and it was like that for three months. And and that's was, when you uh, made the call and said, "That's well." When the scuppers are freezing up all the time, and you lower a guy over the side of the boat in a bosun's chair to with a with a uh, uh, a pry bar. To knock the ice out of the scuppers, because you're cir- water to well, get you're circul you're circulating water on the crab, right? right? And so it has to be free flowing. And it's not it's not uh, in, uh, enclosed in refrigerated seawater like uh, 
like you do when you're Pollock fishing, you know, and, and everything is contained. And, oh, pulling up deck boards and, you know, dealing with the ice and, and improvising with, uh, with uh, uh, flat blade shovels and yeah, on and on and on for three months. And then you'd go, make your trip and then put the gear on the boat. We spent two trips for one time for 10 days, the other time for two weeks up against the ice flow waiting for some ground to open up. There was like a literally a postage stamp um, and everybody was had their gear in there and maybe they were getting you know 20, 30 crab a pot. Well you can't do an opie. I Scratching mean it'd take, it. take yeah. you forever. Right. Right? And you know Harold, uh, my captain at the time, Harold Myrol, God bless him, um, or we'd set the gear and then six hours later here comes the ice. You know, marching on down. And then it was a 24-hour, 20-hour, 24 hours, whatever, scramble to get all the gear back on the boat again. Yeah, because the ice was going to eat it. Well, I was going to it was gonna uh, carry it away. So, yeah, 2012, the cold. I, in the 80s, there were some brutally cold winters as well. I think one of the coldest I've ever experienced was probably in St. Paul, 30 below. Um Hurt to breathe. That's a hard harbor to get in when it's that cold. Well, they had a they had a tug there, and and, and there it was closed for a few days. You know, they had a tug in there to bust the ice up and whatnot. And or you get in there and and uh, one time on the Rosie G, we got in there and and uh, we're we're there a little too long, and the keel coolers froze up. <laughs> and I spent uh, a couple of hours in the la inside the lazarette where the crossover was with the freaking oxygen and acetylene trying to warm it back up heating the pipes so we could fire up the main and move back now up. i don't want to go up there in january anymore before we i get, want to go skiing before we get into the golden years of switching over to the gladiator now right um every fisherman has some kind of support group at home that really keeps them going or at least makes it good to come home to you what do you got oh i got my uh my beautiful wife lisa um, and her kids, I never had any kids of my own, uh, Gavin and Caitlin, and then, uh, Hubert, my second golden retriever, and Gizmo, our little weenie dog. When you said Hubert, I thought, somebody named their kid Hubert? <laughs> no, no, golden, it's a good, if you saw Hubert, and then you will someday, um, he's a Hubert all the way, big goof. So how's 80, how 85 pounds of, uh, love me. You know. How's that support been? Oh, it's been awesome. She's uh, she's kind of my rock. She, uh, I, re she, I recall you saying she didn't sign up to be a fisherman's wife. No, no, she didn't. And uh, to her credit, she's put up with it. We uh, had lots of discussions about it. Um, you know, some a little more voluminous than others. But uh, she's hanging in there. Hanging in there. I got a couple years left, realistically. Of so. marriage? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, of fishing. This, no, she's a keeper, this one. How long have you been married? See, we got married in 2006. That was official, but we've been together since 2001. And uh, she's my second. 17 years. She's my second wife. Uh, my first one, actually, um, 
I I had gone said I was going to give up fishing, but uh, I couldn't do it. The phone would ring. One of my buddies would, you know, come on, just make a trip, a couple of trips. Come on, it's four-week opie season, you know, a couple of week king crab. I got some halibut quota in 2C. You'll yeah. only be gone two weeks. Right, oh, yeah. You can't turn that down. Yeah. And uh, finally she said, you know, you do it one more time and, and we're done. Well, I did it one more time and... You were done. Yeah, plus we, you know, built a big house. and mm-hmm. She got the house, I got the dog and the truck. Good dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> golden, golden, golden Retrievers, man. Golden Retrievers. All right, so then you moved on to the Gladiator. I did. I was I was very fortunate to uh, to get a spot on the Gladiator. Yes, there's, indeed. There's a, there's a big difference between uh, going up crab fishing in January... Versus uh, going Pollock fishing. Well, and we the, did cod. The, the we do, we do the cod. Work, the workload we do, required we do, as well. We do cod in January, and then, like, uh, last few years, it's been a uh, uh, couple of Pollock trips uh, when it first opens, and then switch to cod. Uh, last year, they flew up and did cod immediately. I'm not going to do cod anymore. I'm, I've got a young man, Kendrick, uh, pork chop. He's going to take my spot full-time when I retire, and uh, he's going to do the... What's co- Kendrick's last name? Loose. Of course. Elmer's. Third generation. El- Elmer's nephew. Third generation. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful kid. Wonderful kid. Um, he's going to take my spot when I decide to, uh, or when they decide to, you know, put me out <laughs> to pasture. When whoever decides. Put me out to pasture, or, you know, tie a cement shoes to my feet. And so, obviously... Uh, over the years, you keep going back. So fishing has had to have been pretty good for you. Pretty good for you, pretty good for your family. Oh, my God. It's been uh, it's been incredible. Uh, been very fortunate. I'm not going to say that I didn't work hard to, uh, to achieve it because without working hard and uh, being committed to a crew, to a boat, uh, to an owner... Um, now to a company, um, you know, you're not going to get very far. And w- like I said, as a deckhand, all, all you really have is a reputation is working hard and being sober, reliable, and, and getting along with people. That's, that's probably the three most important uh, attributes you could have. Besides um, getting the work done. Well, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, given, you know, right? yeah, that's that's a given. Would you and, and in a timely manner and uh, professional manner, and uh, the captain says, "I want this done, that done, whatever," makes a suggestion. I like to kind of like anticipate what maybe the captain is thinking, so he doesn't have to say anything to anybody. You just get it done. It's just it's done. Yeah, and he brings it up, and all that's uh, how cool is it to, without him telling you. If he brings it up, oh, that's already done. Would you change anything? Mm. Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. After all these years, um, yeah, I probably would have tried to, uh, well, looking back, I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty and all that, I, would, uh, I probably would have maybe gone to college got a degree now that I've owned a couple of dogs uh, been a veterinarian maybe but no other than that 
I live in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. I moved over there in 1990 from Ballard. And uh, skiing is my passion. So this job affords me 40 to 60 days a year of, of uh, solid skiing. Pursuing that, yeah. Um, now I'm into kind of chasing the weather around the Rocky Mountains, Salt Lake City, over to Jackson, up the Big Sky, Grand Targhee. Uh, hopefully uh, Canada this this January. Yeah, I got the bucket list just like everybody else. Sure. Would you? Uh, what what advice would you have for these young guys coming in? Um, keep your ears open, your mouth shut, put that fucking phone away, and uh, listen, learn, and use common sense. Mm-hmm. It's a great life. It can be a great life. It's you know, it's uh, the the guys Ed on the Gladiator and all the guys I work with, Brandon and Gary and Porkchop and Sean. I mean, they're like my brothers. And uh, we've been all been together for five years. I mean, I wouldn't trade that experience for, for anything. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a really good opportunity to uh, have the life. And you, plus, you can live anywhere you want, literally in the world. Um, a lot of guys do. Uh, last week was Gaspar Rera. He's in uh, Paraguay. Paraguay. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And there's guys that live in Maine and Vermont. And Gary Hughes lives in uh, Thailand. And You could live in Hawaii. You could live, well, yeah, Philippines, uh, Mexico. I mean, why not? Sure. You sure. could go from ski resort to ski resort. That's my, that's my advice. Go from ski resort <laughs> to ski. Whether you're a boarder, I'm, I, I'm, on, I'm on two of them. Jack so. Molin would have said, you know, from... Uh, from the good high seas for surfing, and you know everybody's got got their 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 fun and leisure. Yeah, that and uh, skiing and fly fishing. That's gonna be it. Well, we're about yeah, we're we're pushing the time. So before we end, though, I want to encourage everyone, as we always do, to eat wild Alaska seafood. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Nothing more. Like Salmon is the world's most perfect food. And I always say wild Alaska seafood, but wild seafood in general. Don't. Don't go for the farm stuff, you no, know. There's uh, no need. There's there's re- there. there's really no need. Uh, and yeah. um, um, like I said, man, everybody do what they can to uh, preserve, promote, and protect wild salmon on on planet Earth. Yeah, our resources. Yeah. And uh, you know, no pebble mine. <laughs> no pebble mine. All right, so we're about out of time here, Mark. Uh, is there anything you want to end with? Anything you feel like you need to get out there? No, it's been fun. Thank you very much, Mr. Kaler, and uh, we're going to miss you at Trident. I really am. I could make a phone call, and we get our order shipped up in a timely manner, and uh, I hope whoever takes your place can uh, No, we're going to miss you, and uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to uh, to do this. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Yep, uh, yep, leave and Trident because this podcast is paying off real big, guys. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Um I'll still be within the fleet. You know, we're it's all the fleet. We're all the fleet. We're all uh, fishermen, and, and well, we're you all and intertwined you, regardless. So. You and your wife uh, make a road trip over to Sun Valley sometime. Go skiing. Yeah, absolutely. Or fly fishing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. This has been another installment of Galley Stories, uh, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I think next week's episode will be Ed French, who Mark's referenced several times today. But, uh, again, uh, eat that wild uh, Alaska seafood and uh, tune in next time. Also, uh, Follow us on Facebook, like and share Mark's uh, release here. So it's been Mark Skeving, the deckhand on the FV Gladiator. 
40 years, 38 years of life on the sea. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Adios.